Hi, I'm Mike, and on today's episode of Emotional Alchemy, I had a conversation with Anya Shack about the tension embedded in the journey towards wholeness for men. Anya defined, from her perspective, the masculine and the feminine, and how we might find healing and connection in embracing all our parts. I hope you take this episode as an opportunity to reflect not only who you are, but who the men are in your life and how they became the men that they are. Anya, so you and I were talking about some of the reductive binary language that men and women often get trapped into, which leads to misunderstanding. And I think of just basically this one example uh, when I was at Burning Man and they there was this workshop and this woman stood uh, stood in front of the room with her partner and she said bluntly, I want my partner to be more feminine. Hmm. And this was to her partner, who's also a woman. And hmm. it was just, it, this is just sort of a consequence of this, this normalization of people. We don't really understand what we're talking about and how to ask for what we need. Mm-hmm. And so we grab onto terms that we don't understand and words that we don't understand because they feel like they should work. And I'm just curious what you think about that and what your and what your thoughts are about the kind of how we navigate a more robust conversation about our needs when talking to each other. Mm, I love that Mike. Thanks for bringing that up. I believe that people generally do not know the true definition of the term feminine, the true definition of the term masculine. I think it's up in the air and I think we get to redefine it now. But I think where we get in trouble is people, they associate things that are very gendered, specifically feminine things are very girly or soft or nurturing. They associate those those adjectives, if you will, with feminine. And then they associate like strong, harsh, bold, you know, directive. They associate those types of adjectives with masculine and not realizing that those things kind of, like you said, reduce people to these very like instinctual kind of hormonal animalistic humans, these like these animal creatures. And I think that does us a disservice in general. Um, I think we can do a better job of talking about these things if we can define feminine and masculine, both within ourselves and then out in the world. And then if we can also separate who we are as humans, like our spiritual selves, all the things that we love and desire, all of the very multi-dimensional aspects of us with some like hormonal, instinctual, biological urges that we have. And if we can split those, split those a bit, I think we'll have a better job. We'll have a better time not limiting people to these small boxes. Mm. Okay. So let's just go there. Yeah. So you, do you have a definition of feminine and masculine? For me? Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I truly believe that the feminine is the unconscious space. It's a chaotic space. Mm -hmm. It's feelings based. Feelings-based actions, emotions, thoughts, and it's very much connected to intuition and 
like I said, the unconscious space, the knowing, but not sure where it comes from. So to me, that's feminine. Whereas the masculine is of this earth to me, like of the conscious space (laughs) of what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel. It's about order. It's Mm -hmm. about logic, being rational and being directive. So for me, one can't exist without the other. (laughs) The masculine is super boring and monotonous without Mm -hmm. feminine elements. And the feminine is quite chaotic and out of control and unregulated without the masculine elements. And so I believe each person, man or woman, has both of these within them Mm. to live a functional life. Mm. Interesting. I feel like a masculine man. Mm. And I feel like there is a part of me that is very connected to, I would say, my feelings. Deeply, deeply, deeply aware of my intuition and my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I let those feelings impact my behavior spontaneously. And in so doing, I would say it's from this feminine space, sometimes my behavior can seem incredibly dominant, Mm. which would be like, to me, it's very like, I feel like there's a directive. Mm. And I just wonder like how we navigate some of these terms in terms of like, what is this? It's like, how do we navigate this duality when it's it's just like, it's one or the other. I'm just thinking it's me. It's all me. And there's a child who loves to play. I don't think of it as a girl inside of me. I don't yeah. even know if that feels like this. I don't know. I feel like sometimes I, I guess my question is for this language is, is if masculine and feminine, why do we have to gender the, what is that saying about our whole culture that basically boys who are very effusive and ebullient, like all children, their emotions are are suddenly put into a box as feminine. Well, that's the whole problem, Mike, because that's that's just it. We're actually not allowing the boy to develop in his fullness. We're cutting him off from that too early. That's why rites of passage happened with boys around age 12, 13. They were fully allowed and honored and even pushed to be in that space of play and childhood they weren't told no stop acting you know let me let me rephrase this a little bit the whole idea of rites of passage in like indigenous cultures and something that i love to study the boy was allowed to be the boy until he was 12 and 13 and then he was taken into the man's space but before that like masculine space before that shift happened he was probably be him and the girls in his like around him were probably behaving very similarly. They were having fun. They were playing. They were very childlike. And I don't think that was suppressed in him. I don't think his emotions, his softness, all of the beautiful things that you're describing. I don't think those things were suppressed. I think in the West, we suppress those things in boys too early mm-hmm. so, such that they don't actually develop to the fullness that they need to. So it's like, he's not a boy and he's not a man. We're not allowing him to be either or, you know, we're not giving him the fullness of both experiences. So I think um, you have so many like half boys that are like 50 years old. Yeah. Yes. They didn't get to be boys and now they're not men either. So. Yes. So many half boys. Like, what is it like for you as a human being, but as a woman, I mean, 
I know the feminine, the, the child, the feminine, the part of me that feels deeply when I'm around men like this, I literally cringe. Yeah. Men it like annoys what? me that are these half boys. Yes. Oh yeah. You can't feel them. I can't. And yeah. they talk from the brain. Yes. Cerebral. I think, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but I remember this one time, uh, several, like a month or two ago, I was at this, I was at this event and I approached these, these, these two guys and they started talking to me so cerebrally in my whole, when I was in this very, I just came out as like kind of body work yoga class and I was in my body and I was also tired and it's work to be disconnected for me now. Yeah. And I said, stop. (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't want to have this kind of cerebral conversation. I have no bandwidth for it. Let's, I want to talk about something a bit more connected right now. That's what I'm here for. They were like, they looked at me and one guy who doesn't ever, we also live in a world where can't ever criticize anything or actually say something's bad. He walked away and the other guy was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about something else. And he totally shifted into a much more present and related conversation. It was fascinating. How do you do, what do you do? I mean, these kinds of situations. Well, I actually had the same experience happen with a client recently, which was really profound um, around like me asking, I had him describe the things that he wants in a woman. And then we were trying to decipher whether he had those things within himself. Uh, Nope. No, because he kept talking from his brain and it was just like, oh yeah, I want this and I want her to do this. and And then it became heart focused right away. When you speak from the heart, it's to the point and it doesn't have any mumbo jumbo. It's just like, I want trust. I want patience. I want love. And he became very clear that he doesn't trust himself. He's not patient Uh himself. How is Uh a woman going to be that way with him? So it was a very clear shift. And he actually started tearing a little bit because he could feel the difference in brain speak versus heart speak. Yeah. It was very profound. Um, I went on a date with someone last week that was just like all in his head. And after the date, I was just like, God, there's just, he's like great on paper. God, my mom would love the sound of this guy, but like, just, it there's just something missing and you kind of nailed it. Like he just, he just doesn't speak from the heart. He's not, he's not connected to his heart. He's still just saying what he thinks he should say. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's really interesting is like this, how do we cultivate a world where people are actually able to listen. I would say for me, I'm listening to many things inside of me. I'm listening to this animal. I know that I'm an animal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I know when I play with animals, they're not, they're not nice. They're not <laughs> yeah. Like they're going to push you. Yeah. And if you, you know, love dogs, I love dogs for this. If you go to the place of aggression with a the dog, they'll meet you and yeah. they'll, and people will sometimes who never go there with their own dogs, I'll go there. And they'll be like, whoa, that was a really wild place my dog just went to. And I was like, yes, they love that. <laughs> they love that. Mm-hmm. This, is, um, and this is also in us. Mm-hmm. This, I yeah. believe, right? Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder about this concept of like, which feels so sort of in the world of like ideas now, theoretically, it can seem very sort of, I don't know, out of date, which is like, claiming Mm, yeah that the new exciting thing i think i talked i was talking to a friend recently and um he stated you know 
if you want somebody, you can't get everything you want in a person. They can't be your everything. So you just have to choose like two or three things and just let that be what it is. And then you you date multiple people to get the different things from different people. Whoa. And I thought that was amazingly con and that that's actually normal. Right. And that's I think one, that's one perspective. Yeah. Right. I think that's very common today is like the inability to have depth is now normal. And so the end result is like, well, what do we have? Well, don't worry about it. You can just treat people like they're you go, you're going to say something. No, but that's, yeah. It's just like those kinds of things frustrate me a little bit because like I have, <laughs> that's just a guarantee that you get to stay in surface level experiences with multiple people um, instead of going, going there with somebody. And I think, you know, there are plenty of poly situations that I think are in integrity and very intimate and they work super well. I, I know one couple friend that like, they're wonderful um, at this, but I don't know anybody else that does this so well. Um, I guess what I want to say is like, you, you won't, you won't achieve the kind of depth that we all crave from somebody if you're not, if you don't allow yourself to go into the heart space. I guess I have a great example. Like this happened in a dance situation this past week. I was, I got deeper in Zook. Like, I mean, I'm blown away. <laughs> but yeah, this, first time you fall in love in the dance floor. <laughs> like yeah. this happened to me where I was dancing with somebody and like the dance was essentially over. I could have just like parted and then like left, but we ended up just matching breath for 20 minutes. Yeah. Because that was what was needed in the moment. And that yeah. was, and, and both of us weren't afraid to just go there. Uh -huh. And I just felt this freaking insane level of fulfillment from that, from matching breath. So can you imagine being bold in a way with somebody that takes you even further than that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine it all the time. It's oh very much, I think it's funny you mentioned that. It, it's amazing. It's so fun. I've, yeah. I, I've had so many experiences like that. It's, it's, it's intriguing. And some it happened like last week. Somebody when I was done dancing, somebody said, "Oh, look, you fell in love on the." Somebody fell in love with you on the dance floor, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." I think in some ways the world we're just. I think it, there's this part of me that just finds, I want a genuine relationship, and mm -hmm. so I've sort of acquiesced to this sort of the world that is quite common, and I'm trying to move uphill, but. We live in this world that's like, I don't know how to deal with real intimacy, but I can tolerate intimacy for like one day, one hour, six mm -hmm. hours, if it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. But for many people, it's like, I can't have it go anymore. I get scared. Yeah, it's, oh, I know that feeling. I do. I really know that feeling when you're sitting in a situation with somebody and you feel a spark with them. And you want to know them more and you just want to connect deeper. And, but then your anxiety comes up and there's triggers around that and like yes. fear and you start to like project things on them. And then you start to imagine things and we all have yes. different attachment stuff. And after those experiences, I've caught myself doing this, like there must be something wrong 
I shouldn't have felt those uncomfortable feelings. So I'm just going to back off now. Yeah. There must be something wrong with those uncomfortable feelings as opposed to leaning into them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (sighs) That's what happens. And the interesting thing is if, again, do we live in a world where real relationships are so rare (laughs) that if you ask somebody like, hey, if you're having a physical experience with someone, can they talk about the physical experience in their body? Oh my God. Shouldn't they be able to? No, I would say almost never, never. I, I, I do it with couples. I literally have people that are married and they can't talk about what's happening in their body in this moment. Make eye contact with your partner and say what's happening in your body right now. Just breathe. I feel tension. I feel butterflies in my stomach. I feel my fingertips. You know, they can't do that. I think you're, I used to be like that. I used to have like, I still kind of am. I'm still like, wow. I asked someone recently, clearly they were turned on. I said, what is this like for you? Because, you know, I'm a verbal adult and I'm also wanting to understand what's happening. And they go, I felt like, I feel like, um, I think they said something about their skeleton and Hmm. colors. And Hmm. I said, what about your body? And they're like, oh, I don't feel in my body or something. Totally. It was just basically what they were telling me is I'm so dissociated Hmm. from my own experience. I can't actually articulate what is Hmm. happening. I know it's good, Hmm. but I can't actually connect to it. Hmm. And I would say this is normal. Wow. That blows my mind. Yes. I feel like I'm like too aware. Like I can tell you like the seven things happening all at the same time, like in different ways. Sometimes I just, I'm like, am I supposed to be this like aware? And I guess I haven't really, I have yet to communicate that in a way where I am in like a trusting relationship and I'm having like sexual experiences on a regular basis to where I can communicate that. Like I haven't, like, I guess I've healed a lot of stuff (laughs) since my last relationship. So Uh I haven't. So for me, it's just me doing those things on my own in different scenarios on dates or whatever. Right. So it's really fascinating to hear you say that not a lot of people can can verbalize what's going on. Almost never. This is a really good assessment for people. People have sex Mm -hmm. all the time. Can you tell your partner what you're going to do to them before you do it? Give us sort of an idea yeah. of his words. Yeah. I'll, very I, rare. I, very rare. That's so true. I that's think fascinating that's really, to me. Fascinating to me too. I think that should be like a prereq. It definitely matters if you can't. Yeah. It's like, yeah, how can you? And I say that that is again the norm. Everyone who's listening, I would challenge you to, to if, you're, if you're dating somebody, to sit down and try this. Tell your partner what you want to do to them this week. Mm-hmm. or what they want to do to you. And I would bet that would be very, very, very difficult, if not impossible at this moment. Well, I think it's because people think the only kind of intimacy they can get is sexual. So they go straight there, but they don't realize how much better sex is when the rest, the other aspects of intimacy are involved. Well, sex is like the, is sort of the flowering. Mm-hmm. It's like the blooming flower of the whole plant. There's a stem, there are roots. There's a lot yes. of stuff going on that makes yes. the flower bloom. Yes. So it's like when people say intimacy, I'm always, you know, how many times do you say the word intimacy? And what, is pe- what do most people think when you say the word intimacy? They, mean, they think sex, but right. usually they mean like, I've caught so many people saying that to me. They're like, oh yeah, it was intimate. And I was like, no, it wasn't. That was chemistry. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was a spark. That was chemistry. Yeah. You don't know that. You don't know that person at all. <laughs> yeah. It's lust. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's what animals, that's a drug. You can that's a, that's an that. animal thing. And so, and yeah. that's why coming back full circle to what you said in the beginning of this is like, that's why we have such a hard time keeping men and women as whole beings when we're communicating because we drop into our reptilian brains and yeah. we get into animal mode. And so what we do is we forget that the animal part of us is just a small fraction of us. There's a whole spiritual part of us that is deeply united men and women. And like, that's why I'm very passionate about helping people understand like those animal distinctions, right? Because if they can get them, then they can be like, cool, cool. This isn't some scary monster under my bed. Now I I get those. Now we can focus on the spiritual stuff. The like me seeing you, Mike, the human, like the person, not just the man, you know? Yes. Rare. (laughs) It's very rare what you're saying. I think it's, 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 that's what I aspire towards, but it's like, I guess my question is how do you see somebody? How do you explore? This is the interesting thing. I asked a couple recently. And I love them very, very much. But they're also, you know, this is part of the norm. I asked, she said so beautifully, I don't know how to be curious mm-hmm. about my partner. Mm-hmm. And she was great in that. That's also normal. So I guess the question is, how do you see somebody? How do you discover? What's your well, process? I think the foundational way to see somebody is to completely separate them from you and your needs. Hmm. <laughs> and if you can do that, then you can actually see that person in who they are and what they bring to the table and their interests, their passions, their drive, and then also their insecurities and their traumas and where they've been and, and where they're headed. And I think when you become connected and when you become, when you fall in love, that's one thing. But then when you become attached, that's another thing. And you've got your attachment with another human being. It's very hard to let go of that attachment and remain curious about them and their path. Because then you have to admit that there is a possibility that your paths will split. And I think only when you can say that, like, that's a real possibility and I can be okay with that, then you can be curious about the fullness of another person. Mm. Possibility that your paths will split. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's the real challenge. And I guess the question is like, I guess, how do you navigate this tension of fear of loss mm-hmm. versus like trying wholeheartedly? Yeah, I know. You know, such a good question. I think that's literally the the balance beam that we're all walking because there's something so beautiful in, in that attachment and building a family, if that's what you want. And like, You've got to have commitment and stability for those things to work out. And those are beautiful, beautiful things. So I guess there's like a, there's a fine line. Um, Maybe it's a constant balancing act of like requiring that stability from somebody Mm. and then also honoring their individuality and how to keep doing that over and over again. One of my closest friends always said like, so many people put relationships on their shelves at home, like they get them and then they put them away. She says they're meant to be renegotiated all the time. <laughs> like they're meant to be kept out and looked at every week. You know, oh. 
every single week, if you're not having a check-in, it's like you have check-ins with your boss every week about work. Like, how are you not having a check-in with your partner about your relationship every week? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's really powerful. I love that metaphor of this uh, renegotiating, really re-exploring or even reconnecting. I did do acapella in college and uh, <laughs> yeah. I played sports in college and I had hobbies in college. And then I graduated and I had to get a job and I haven't done any of that in 10 years. Yeah, that's where adults really screw up. I think we really stop playing. We really start, stop competing in stuff. We stop participating in stuff. Um, yeah, I really think that's where adults mess up. And then they get on dating apps. Swipe right or left to try to meet their person. It's like join a club, like go to like a you know sport team thing. I don't know. I think you're gonna people meet people doing things they love doing. Yep. I think generally speaking, we overestimate our differences and we really underestimate our similarities met between men and women. We spend too much time in the differences. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then we don't actually have an ability to actually, and that's a filter. So instead of being curious about the person, the bottom line is, I think I was also interesting going back to what you said about your your client. It made me really think about, because I had a similar conversation. And sometimes we say we want things in a partner that we don't actually embody at all. Like he, he said, I want somebody who's adventurous and mm-hmm. passionate and, uh, you know, fit. And And then I said, okay, go for it. Let me ask you something. Are you an adventurous person? Are you passionate about something besides your work? Yeah. And are you interested in your physical health? Are you yeah. invested in it? And I, on all three of those metrics, it was a no. Literally. You know? So it's like sometimes we totally go off on a tangent for the overestimating differences, but that it's just we want things in other people yeah. that we're unwilling to do. There's this wonderful magic of the dating apps is I can literally just create a checklist of like, you should be this kind of person. Yeah. None of us are fitting that kind of simplistic narrative. We don't have, we're going to, you know, you should be self-aware ideally, but let's say you're like, you're in the process of discovering yourself and you're really excited about it. Is that like, you're not there now, but you clearly are invested in it. And can you distinguish that between someone like, Oh, they're definitely not self-aware, but I wish you were. Totally, totally. Um, and I, I, you're not who I want, but I want to fantasize that you would be the person that I want. Ugh. People right. don't spend enough time in energetics also. Like yeah. the energetics behind, um, I want someone passionate and fit, but I'm not yet. It might take you like a couple years to like get there. But once you do, and you're feeling like that is your identity, the person for you will so easily walk into your life. It won't be something that's so hard because you'll, you'll finally like match the frequency that, that, you know, that is, it's like, yeah, I think that's a huge one. That's why I think therapy and coaching and all this stuff is so important because it's like helping people cultivate the things that they want in others within themselves. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. That is a a great place to, wrap it up on i love it 